You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. It's a special day. You know, I'm thankful to be here with you all. And I believe that for all we've seen, we ain't seen nothing yet. With what God wants to do here, I know that. I'm, I'm so confident of it. I will not be convinced otherwise, virus or otherwise. I know that God's got the best in store for, for us, us. That's what a church is. It's us, you know, and I'm just excited. Are you ready? You ready to see it unfold? Like, I just kind of want to take, and maybe I'll do this later, like take like a selfie with all of us in here because this is it. This is the kingdom builders. This is the group that's going to do it. We're going to do it together, and I'm excited about that. Um, let me also just tell you something funny real fast. Can I tell you something funny? I grew up as a pastor's kid, and so the uh, concept or the experience of getting um, anointed with oil was something that happened every now and again. But as a young person, I had really bad acne, and so I obsessed about this, and I would, this is not holy. You're like, oh, wow, this guy's pastor of this campus now. I used to run to the bathroom and quick wash it off my forehead because I was so nervous that I would have, like, a cross pimple situation. It's honest. We will only ever be honest here. And that's the way. I will not wash it off now. I think I have mostly gotten through all of that with my skin. Everything has seemed to calm down. That has nothing to do with anything. Let's hear the word of God. We are in... (laughs) By way of transition, this is the best. We are in part four of our series, Kingdom Come, the theme for this year. A welcomed theme, I would say. God, would your kingdom come? And our main text for this series and really for this year is Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. In fact, if you're ever wondering what you should pray to God, this should be a prayer that we are offering up to God. This should be a petition we are bringing before God. May your kingdom come. Will May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, as we look left and right and we see the messes unfolding around us, and they are many. God, would your kingdom come on this earth like never before? Would it come to this earth as it is in heaven? And we've been working with this definition, and if you watched Uh, the message last week, and if you haven't, then I would encourage you to do so. I hope it would be an encouragement to you. There's a definition for kingdom of God. What is meant when we say the words kingdom of God? When we're actually praying, God, may your kingdom come. What does that actually mean? What are we actually asking for? I would encourage you to kind of like repeat this in your head multiple times throughout the week, this definition, kingdom of God, the reality of God's rule and relationship. Kingdom, that's the definition, the reality of God's rule and relationship. In fact, we should say this over and over again. I did this last week. I'm going to do it again. What's the kingdom? It's the reality of God's rule and relationship. The reality of God's rule and relationship. So when you read in the scriptures, hey, the kingdom of God is like, then you say, okay, so the reality of God's rule and relationship is like. So rule, meaning God is king, his direction, his ways. 
relationship means in proper ordering of relationship. Your relationship, we're good. Things are good. There's a proper relationship. It's also a proximity thing, relationship. When God gets close to things, God, we, don't, we want you close. We want you close in proximity to this situation, to our world, everything. God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Kingdom come. Let me ask you this. Are you, just by show of hands, how many of you would say you are sentimental? You're a sentimental person. That's kind of like more than I would have expected. Um, And this is more rhetorical. What one item is most valuable to you and why? You know, when you're out to dinner somewhere and you're with someone who you don't know, a question like this might show up because it's like you don't know what else to talk about. You're going to be like, hey, so if your house is burning down, maybe this is just me. Do you guys not talk like this? If your house is burning down and you had to save one item, what would that item be? Now, you sentimental people are really up a creek here because y'all have many things. Lauren and I am thankful to say we're not sentimental. We're just not. I have, I'll be honest with you, I have a flash of sentimentality in my mind when looking at things right before I throw them away. Say, wow, that's nice. Gone. But there is legitimately, and this is without, I mean, this isn't, I'm not saying this for dramatic purposes or anything. There is one thing that I am very sentimental about. And if I were to lose it, then I would weep like a child, like it would really be troubling to me. And it's this ring that I'm wearing. You're like, oh, Mike, that's so cliche. Your wife's sitting right over there. I'm very sentimental about this ring. One, because it looks like the ring from Lord of the Rings. I mean, it's just a simple gold ring. Holds a lot of power. I will not destroy it. Hello, nerding out. Don't care. Um, It's what it represents. That's something that's obviously very important. It means the commitment, the commitment I made. I think of that day. I think of those friends. I think of uh, our church being there, most of us. And of course, all of you would have got an invite at this point. So don't take that personally. It was just years ago. And I think about that, make that connection, makes me very sentimental about this ring. But also, I, I've inherited this ring. This was my, my grandfather's ring. And so it's kind of like a family thing. He had a really awesome marriage and something that I respect. And also survived World War II. If you're a history buff, he actually made it through the Battle of the Bulge wearing this ring. Just unbelievable. So I have a lot of... Uh, emotional and sentimental ties to this ring. And when we value something, I value this ring. When we value something, we prioritize, we protect, we sacrifice, we remain loyal to, and we nurture what we value. And so right out of the gate here in the final part of this Kingdom Come series, I just want to ask you this question. How much do we value this kingdom of God? How much do we actually value this kingdom of God? Because, you know, we can be good church attenders and still not yet really value the kingdom of God. We can see all of the boxes, make all the lists, and check them, check them, check them, and still not fully value the kingdom of God. How much do we value this kingdom? 
Does our value actually match its worth? Because this kingdom of God, the reality of God's rule and relationship, oh, is it, is it worth so much? Worth more than anything else? How much is it worth? How valuable is it? I'm thankful to Jesus. We've been looking at Matthew chapter 13, and if you have a Bible, I would encourage you maybe to turn to Matthew chapter 13. It's full of parables, Jesus speaking in parables. Now, I never want to assume that anyone in this room actually knows the Christian jargon and language that we've created and or talk about, because a lot of us might not know certain words, and we as a Christian people have created a language, haven't we? There are definitions, and we've got to break it down sometimes. So parable is just simple. It's a simple story teaching a spiritual truth. And typically, and this is important, so as to not allegorize and or make up things within the parables, usually they teach like one main thing. So it's kind of helpful in that way. Parable, short story, usually it's typically cultural. So Jesus is speaking in ways and in terms using stories that the immediate culture would have identified with very well. Teaching a spiritual truth, and usually it's one spiritual truth. And so here in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46, the truth is I feel like I could spend weeks on this passage. I was supposed to preach in 20 minutes. Again, I cracked this joke the last time we were all together. We've, made, we've missed a lot of time together. So I feel like I have earned at least a two-hour sermon here. I'm just kidding. That was a corny joke. It really wasn't even that funny. I appreciate you laughing, Brian. I'll be thinking about that later. Okay, let's go. Jesus is talking about the value of the kingdom of God, the reality of God's rule and relationship, the kingdom of God. You remember that definition. We're beating it into our heads because it's really important. He begins by saying, The kingdom of heaven. It's going to go up on the screen right there. Now, hang on. I'm going to stop already. I don't even like doing this a lot because, you know, we just want to get through the text. We want to read the text in in full, you know, so we can actually get it. But we've been talking about the kingdom of God. And so then comes kingdom of heaven. So I just want to, again, in the Bible, just want to talk through something that might be helpful. If you're like, okay, what does that mean? Is that different than kingdom of God? No. It is not different. It's used interchangeably and synonymously. Kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God mean the same thing. And they mean the same thing because, if you want to nerd out for just a second, Christian people like hearing history of Bible and passages because they say that is meat. And so now I am giving meat. That was a joke as well. Well, kingdom of heaven, here it is. The reason it's kingdom of heaven and not kingdom of God in the book of Matthew is because Matthew is directed primarily, exclusively, to Jewish people. And the Jewish people were really hesitant to say the name of God out loud. They were nervous that it would mean taking the Lord's name in vain. So kingdom of heaven, they could say out loud, versus kingdom of God, they would get nervous. This is true, by the way, still today that Jewish people have trouble saying the name of God. Now, here as Christians, Jesus has opened up the door to to relationship with God so intimate that you can call out to God by name as Father. 
Talk about awesome. Because the people of God used to be really nervous about this. This is still true today. Like if you legit walked into Squirrel Hill today, like I have done once, and ask a Jewish person, like I have done once, I have a tattoo on my arm, an 18-year-old, we can talk about it someday, the decisions I've made. I have a tattoo on my arm that says Elohim, which is a name for God, recognizes God as creator and kind of uh, encompasses him as a triune God, multiple. And this is really not that important of a story, but I got to tell you, I just got to tell you real quick. Can I tell you real quick? I'll just tell you real quick. Okay. I had a weird Christian guy look at my arm one day and say, hey, that's not what that means. So I was like, yes, that's what it means. And I was freaked out because I was like, is it not what it means? And so then I decided who else to know. This is before biblical training and all that kind of stuff. Now I'm fluent in both Hebrew and Greek. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm not. Um, I decided, hey, who would know this better than like the Jewish community? So I'm just weird like this sometimes. I went into Squirrel Hill and I saw an Orthodox Jewish person, you know, dressed all up and the whole deal. And so I went up to this guy and he was very nervous when I approached him. I will tell you that. And I said to him, sir, can you can I ask you a question? Like, yeah, what? Yeah, what is he? Very nervous. I'm like, hey, just react. I'm not weird. I'm a little weird, but not that weird. Uh, I just want to say, what does this say? And I held out my arm and he got very nervous and very uncomfortable. He's like, well, it's, an, it's the name of, of, uh, of a God, of God. I said, yeah, but like, what is the name? Like, what does it mean exactly? Can you tell me? And he said, I can't, I can't really like say it out loud. So similarly, we did get through it, by the way. I thanked him very much. It was great. We found out it is Elohim, weird Christian person at Creation Fest 2000, and don't even remember messed me up for a period of time, but it is what it is. Don't ask me to look at it because I don't need to reopen that door again. Um, It just proves the point. Kingdom of heaven. The Jewish people were afraid and or hesitant to say the name of God. So kingdom of heaven equals kingdom of God. Same thing. That's a long time just to explain like, you know, just three words, but let's keep going. This is Jesus talking about the value of the kingdom of God, the reality of God's rule and relationship. He says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, just real quick, can you say in his joy? That's important. I think this is important. In his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. It's a simple parable explaining a very, very important and life-changing truth. How is it that a story about a treasure and a man finding it, selling everything and going all for it, a pearl, selling it all, just going for that, How does that simple story communicate an eternal kind of a truth? Well, it's this simple. You ready? There's nothing more valuable than this kingdom. There's nothing more valuable than this kingdom of God. There is nothing more valuable for our lives than to experience a reality of God's rule and proper relationship. Even 
if we lost everything else, even if we had to give up everything else, if we were to give up everything, and I do mean everything, let your mind explore that word, everything. If we gave it up, if we lost it all, everything, and gained this kingdom of God, that would be a great trade, is what this parable Jesus is teaching. Have you found this to be true in your own life? Have you found it to be true that this kingdom is so valuable? It is worth so much to you. Have you found that to be true? If you haven't found it to be true, I'm just so excited. I'm so excited for all that God has in store for you. Because there exists this kingdom, this reality, not a fantasy, a reality, which is why I love this definition. It's not a fantasy. It's not some fairy tale. It's not a mere opiate of the people, as Nishi said. No, this is reality that God wants to come into your life. God, the creator of the universe, who knows all, who is all-powerful, he wants to come into your life and to change your world. That it would become, he would become, his reality of his rule and relationship would become the most valuable thing, worth so much to you in your life. Why is it so valuable? What makes it worth so much? If I were to sit down with each and every one of you over a cup of coffee and I were to ask you, what's so valuable about the kingdom of God to you? I wonder how you would answer that. I want you to have a, just a huge running list of reasons as to why this kingdom of God is so valuable to you. I want this to be a place where that reality of God's rule and reign and why it's so valuable would just continue to unfold and unfold and unfold in your life. I want this to be a place where you're rejuvenated, where you're reminded of the truth of God when everyone else outside of this place is just yelling all kinds of different messages and things at you. I want this to be the beacon of light. But this would be, as I said in the YouTube video, I hope you guys enjoy the YouTube video. I like making the YouTube video. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry. You were sent a YouTube video. But this would be a stream in the wasteland for you. And when we come together, you're, you're not beat up in here. You're not discouraged in here. You're not losing hope or feeling shame in here. You're experiencing a new life when you leave here. That's what God wants. God wants you to experience the reality of his rule and relationship, his kingdom. Why is it worth so much? Can I just tell you just a few things of why I believe this kingdom is worth so much? First and foremost, this kingdom, the reality of God's rule and relationship, it comes by way of, it is made available by the salvation that Jesus has given us, has made a way for us. Salvation meaning a rescuing. That's something we're going to actually spend time over communion remembering here, diving a little bit deeper into that, that open starting gate of salvation. Even if we got nothing else, if it were just salvation, that we were made right in relationship with God, that he rescued us, rescued us from our problems, our own sinful problem, our despair, and even death as we know it. That would be more than enough. Why is this so valuable? 
it leads to real blessing, this kingdom of God. The reality of God's rule in relationship, when you invite God into your life, you experience real blessing. I'm not going to apologize about that. God just simply doesn't want you to be miserable. He doesn't want your life to stink. How many of us have like gone through different church experiences like thinking, do you even like, like God? Do you even like people? God's got the best in store for you. I'm not going to apologize about that. I can't get away from it. You read the scripture, you're like, wow, this is a God who is for you. He is for people and not just clean and tidy people. He's for all people. What's the blessing that comes from this reality of God's rule and relationship? Forgiveness. Forgiveness of our mistakes. One of the saddest things about our culture right now is you just simply can't change. This is something I'm talking about. I've been talking about with friends, with Pastor David. It's just like this culture, it's like you cannot change. If you're trying to do something significant now and there's a tweet that is found about you like years and years ago, it ruins your life. Why? Because you don't change. People can't change. No, God is in the business of changing people's lives and changing them radically. And that's first available and possible because of forgiveness, meaning your faults, mistakes, sin. That word, sin. I like that word, sin. But it's the word, sin, messed up ungodliness, when we make mistakes, when we're selfish, we do things that are just deplorable at all the varying degrees. God offers forgiveness of sin, past, present, future, that even as we continue to mess up, God, he is there, he is able to forgive and wanting and is forgiving you. There is forgiveness when the reality of God's rule and reign, his kingdom is in your life. He gives you a, this is a a big theological word again, imputed righteousness. That on our own, we are not okay before God. And yet Jesus made us okay. He rescued us by clothing us. I love that term, clothe. He clothed us in his righteousness, in his goodness. So it's not our righteousness. It's not our goodness. Like a shirt, he has imputed his righteousness on us so that when God sees us, he doesn't see our mistakes. He sees Jesus's perfection. He sees Jesus's goodness. He sees Jesus's righteousness. Jesus was fully God, fully man, lived a perfect and sinless life. And one of the blessings of his kingdom being a reality in your life is your goodness is not your own. It's his, and his goodness is perfect. And it has been credited to us as our righteousness. Are you all following with me here? Because that's some pretty good news. Another blessing, adoption into the family of God. You're not an orphan. You're not alone. You are a child of God when this kingdom is a reality in your life and your father God is for you. No more record of wrong. That's the past, present, and future. I just had to highlight it again because it's just so good. The active presence and empowerment. Hear me. The active presence and empowerment of God By the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. God is a triune God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Co-equal. Mysterious. People try to talk about water. Fire. Or, no, that's not water. That's fire. 
water, ice, solid, gas, you know, steam, liquid, water, egg, you know, shell, white, oak, it's just yolk, it just all, it kind of falls a little bit short of triune, trinity, God. Um, but the presence of God in your life, active presence, you're never alone. When the reality of God's rule and relationship is in your life, you're never alone. God is with you, even in that dark of night when your panic starts setting in. You don't even know why. Your heart starts beating fast. Like, why am, I, why am I having trouble breathing? It's in that moment that even God says, I'm here. Cast your panic and your worry onto me. I'm right here. I've always been right here with you. Active presence of God in your life, a blessing of his kingdom being a reality of his rule and reign in your life. Empowerment that you get to live beyond yourself, in your workplaces, among your family, even when that's the most difficult thing to do ever because of all the reasons. God, he gives you the ability, a supernatural empowerment by way of his Holy Spirit for you to live beyond yourself. And by doing so, God, he's transforming you every single day. This is a blessing of the kingdom of God in your life. He's transforming you, changing you. You can't change. Yes, you do change when God is in your life. He makes you more and more like Jesus, and Jesus is perfect. And the beautiful thing about that is, even if like you, you see yourself as the worst person ever, or whether you're like, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Not in like a boastful way. You're like, hey, I've done good. Like, where do I go from here? God is infinitely perfect, so you can infinitely get better and better and better, which I just love. I'm not, I'm not um, in despair about that. I'm not discouraged by that. I just love that you never, like, reach the ceiling with God. He's got more for your life. He's got more blessing for your life. He's got more goodness for your life. That's what God wants for you. And then I just love this. This one is so encouraging and so true. A blessing of the kingdom of God. God working out all the things in your life for good. Let that just sink in for a moment. God, when the reality of his rule and relationship is in your life, everything you go through will be worked out for good. Let that just sink in. Contemplate that. Wrestle through that. Doubt that. Talk to God about that truth. Because I want you to think about that. Can you imagine? I know there's so much deep pain in this room. Things all the way stemming back to childhood. Do you know God wants to actually use that for your good? And it gives you a confidence. It gives you a hope. It gives you a sustainable joy in the darkest of times when a virus is sweeping and there's politics and everyone's yelling at dinner tables and social media God will work it all out for good in your life. It's just a blessing of the kingdom of God. Can you see how this kingdom, there is nothing more valuable than this kingdom. And that was just a quick list. I feel the list is endless. And you can see how everything pales in comparison, which is why when the man found this treasure, it says, if you remember what I had us all repeat together, in his joy, he went and sold everything else. How many of us have sat in church and it's like, you feel guilt, you feel shame, you might even feel fear, 
And so you step forward to God in guilt or in shame or in fear. God wants you to approach him in joy. Go running to God in joy. Even when you've made the mistakes, even though you have the past, even though all these different voices have said different things to you, in your joy, go running to God. He is ready and willing and wanting to accept you in joy. So go running to him. Trust me here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what church has done at times. I'm sorry for the way we have made it at times. It's Let's not get this confused. God wants you to go running to him, and there's every reason to go running to him in joy. He's a God who wants good things for you, not in guilt, not in shame, not in despair, not with weeping, not with annoyance, in joy. God wants you to go running to him. Do we actually value this kingdom the way that in, in relation to how it is actually worth? C.S. Lewis Hey, I love the way he said this, and I just read over this past summer. I'm running out of time. I need to move quick. You see, I told you, I got plenty of time. I got to take all the two hours. No, I'm just kidding. C.S. Lewis, you got to read The Weight of Glory. He, wasn't a, he was a very smart IQ man, but EQ, he just kind of laid it out there, which either you love or you don't love. But C.S. Lewis, he was the man, you know, he was our champion as Christians. He said, it would seem that our Lord Jesus finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. Like, if we're just satisfied in doing what this world has to offer versus this valuable, awesome, most worth kingdom of God, he finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. That's such an English thing, and I love it. Holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Are we far too easily pleased? When we're going and and running toward all the things the world has to offer, I think we're too, too pleased, far too easily pleased, when God has got so much more in store for the human life than that. As I prepare to close here, I just want to say there is a condition for the kingdom in our experience of it. A condition meaning an if-then for us to experience this kingdom of God. Here's the thing. God gives people what they want. God will give people what they want. What I don't mean by that is, hey, God, I'd like to win the lottery. God gives people what they want. No. Spiritually speaking, cosmically speaking, God's not going to force you to follow him. That's something we need to remember because as Christians, we've tried to force people to follow him. God gives people what they want. And that should be an encouragement because I've said this to to multiple friends and uh, table people recently, inviting friends to church, et cetera. You know, you, you want them to want it so bad, but they're just not seeing it. You know, we're not responsible for the outcome. We are responsible for the invite. God gives people what they want. We can't force anyone to do anything. But to experience the kingdom of God, we have to want God. This is the, king, this is the condition. To experience the kingdom of God, we have to want God more than anything else. 
to see the kingdom of God that there is nothing more valuable. That's why when Jesus was asked, what is the, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment? Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 38, he said this, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and this is the greatest commandment because that is the door that leads us into experiencing a reality of the kingdom of God in all the following blessings. Our ability to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind is directly tied to our value of him, God, and his kingdom. Which is why in Matthew chapter 6, 21, Jesus again says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Can I ask you this? Riverside campus, Mills campus, my family, my church family, it's so good to be with you this morning. It's so good to be with you this morning. What will it take? Let me just, I don't mean to be overly dramatic here. I just, I, I see people who I love, who I want to experience and see God move in their lives like never before. If only you knew just how much I want that for your life, for our lives collectively. What's it going to take for us to be captured by this kingdom again? What's it going to take for us to re-engage with God like never before? You know, our, our world was just disrupted massively, and here we are again. What's it going to take to actually get there? Because there's a God who loves you. There's a God who left the heavenly places and died on a cross for you. Something we're going to remember here. He's offering the treasure of his kingdom. The reality of his rule and reign, he's offering that treasure free as a gift. You don't have to do anything. You just receive it. It's not something that you earn, which is why Matthew chapter 5 and 30, verse 3, 5 verse 3, it's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus started the whole thing by saying, for uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit, meaning when you offer nothing, when you know you've got nothing to offer, when you're humble and you're just like, God, I am spiritually bankrupt before you. I've got nothing to offer here. I just want to receive it. We stress this point a lot, that we don't earn this kingdom. It's an important thing to stress because we know that there are many backgrounds, and I know there are many backgrounds in this room where you've sat in church services and you've, you've, you've wrestled with this idea that you're just not good enough for God. That if I have to be X, Y, and Z, if I have to be a certain amount of good for God to accept me, that it just heaps a ton of guilt on your life. It heaps a ton of shame on your life, which is just like you're hopeless. That's what shame does. It robs you of hope. It's just hopeless. And then that hopelessness, that, that, like, that feeling of like crushing weight of I just can't be good enough for God, it has served as a wedge between not only you and God, but you and the Christian community. I just won't be accepted. I'm not good enough. He's too clean. The shirts are always ironed. 
I don't fit in here. This is for you. Notice how I threw that out there into a massive room with beautiful people who have all kinds of complex and interesting and, and, and winding backgrounds. And yet I can throw out with full confidence, this is for you. It's for all people. You should see the kind of people, raw material God works with. It's more beautiful in the end that way. And so may I challenge you. May I plead with you. May I invite you. Fully value the kingdom of God. Fully value the kingdom of God. That's like the takeaway here this morning. Fully value it. And why is it important to fully value this kingdom of God? The reality of God's rule and relationship. We prioritize what we value. We protect what we value. We sacrifice for what we value. We direct to what we value. We nurture what we value. We remain loyal to what we value. And so fully value the kingdom of God. There's just so much at stake. And I just want to leave you with this question here. What's one small new step we can take to prove we value this kingdom more than anything else? Never underestimate the value of taking a small new step. Small new step. See what God will do in your life. Go running toward God. Enjoy. For all we've seen, we ain't seen nothing yet. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you offer your kingdom, the reality of your rule and reign as something available to us, made way by a sacrifice on a cross, something we're going to remember here this morning with gratefulness. God, I pray that you would speak to us, draw us in in new ways, help us to see your kingdom rightly and not wrongly. I pray that you would help us to redefine some things that have been said to us. Help us to give you another shot. Help us to re-engage like never before. Help us to go running towards you and experience these blessings, God. All to the glory of your name. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.